1: What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got Anthony. Nine more to go, y'all. We got Christian. What's going on, Miami? And last but not least, it's been a while, Lola. Hey, guys. All right, so to begin today's episode, let's talk about this win for the Heat as Miami gets their third win of the series against Philly, winning by a whopping 35 points. After losing game three and game four, Miami came back in and had a hell of a bounce back. Leading the way for Miami, you got Jimmy Butler with 23 points, nine rebounds, and six assists, Max Struce with 19 points, four triples, and 10 rebounds. Gabe Vincent with 15 points and five rebounds as well. Victor Oladipo with 13 points, three rebounds and three assists. Bam Adebayo with 12 points and six rebounds. P.J. Tucker with 10 points, 7 assists, and 4 rebounds of his own, and Tyler Hero with 10 points and 3 assists. To add on to this, you also have to acknowledge the fact that Jimmy Butler is currently averaging 28 points per game, 5 assists per game, and 2 steals per game while shooting 50% from the field this postseason, and the only other player to do something like this in a single run is none other than Michael Jordan. So anyways, when looking back at this game and everything mentioned, like what are some points that stand out for y'all? Start us off, Anthony. Wow, Joe, I didn't, I didn't know what
2: you said about, a, about Michael Jordan and Jimmy being the only ones to put up those numbers. That's actually a crazy stat. I didn't know that. Uh, but again, that's nothing surprising. Jimmy Butler continues to be the best player in this playoffs. For me, for last night, the story of the game was Max Struess, but I know we're going to get into him a little bit later. So kind of what I want to talk about, I want to talk about Philadelphia which is kind of bad because that's all the national media wants to talk about, too. But I re- I'd be remiss to not go on my ramps about how terrible the TNT broadcast is, whether it was Grant Hill making every single excuse in the book for Joel Embiid. So first of all, saying that he got smacked in the face by Deadman when he did not get hit in the face. Deadman got all ball. And that was a great play. And then it was Charles Barkley and that Sparrows-Videz dude. And I even saw uh, Shannon Sharp on uh, Undisputed today. Say that Joel Embiid had a psychological letdown from not winning MVP, and that affected his performance. That's got to be the biggest load of garbage I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, usually when a player doesn't win an award, it makes them anger. It makes them want to play harder and prove that they deserve the award. But instead they're saying Embiid was sad so he couldn't perform up to his standards, that was just a bunch of crap. It's obviously very annoying that this Heat defense gets no credit. But, I mean, we're kind of used to it at that point. But other than that, I mean, everybody played really well. And if you needed a win to feel good about this team moving forward, especially after a rough trip, that's exactly what we got last night.
3: Ray, and how about you, Christian? After Game 4, there were two things that I knew weren't going to happen again in the series. I knew A – Miami was not going to shoot 20% from three again because they shot 23% from three in game three and 20% in game four. I said, well, that's not happening again because they were the most efficient three-point shooting team in the regular season. So I knew they were going to do a little bit of a reversion back to the mean and step up their three-point shooting, especially back in Miami. The second thing I knew that was not going to happen again this series is James Harden's not going to have a 16-point fourth quarter and down the stretch be making the big shots for the Sixers to stay in the lead. Now, it's not even like he had that option because Miami had this game in their grasp pretty much midway through the third quarter, but it was just an excellent game. I thought that it was going to be more of a high scoring game for Jimmy, but I'm glad to see that Jimmy kind of took a step back in the scoring and he was more focused on assisting the ball. Uh, We had Struess with great contributions. We had Tyler Hero, who has been a great scorer for Miami this entire regular season. He won Sixth main of the year, of course. But he really hasn't been showing, you know, his scoring potential in these playoffs. And I just wanted to make a comment about Tyler Hero and how he gets matched up on in the playoffs. I think that every time that Tyler Hero goes out on the floor, he's identified as the greatest scoring threat. So more often than not, the greatest defender on the other side of the ball is going to be guarding Tyler. So that's why you have players like Matisse Theibel, you have uh, DeAndre Hunter, you have really good two-way players that are going to be, up in Tyler's business. And he finished with 10 points, four of eight. He was 50% from the field. That's not bad. But I was wondering how this Miami team is going to fare, even though Tyler Hero is not providing the scoring output that he did in the regular season. Fortunately enough, it seems like Miami's been able to get a grip, uh, come out with way more energy down um, in game five, and just run Philadelphia off the court. You know, regardless of whether or not Embiid was healthy. I don't think that would have factored in because Miami was just hustling after every loose ball, every play. Pair, uh, players like TJ, PJ Tucker, players like Bam, they were just diving for loose balls, you know, making the plays. And then I also want to highlight Jimmy, who it's like hard not to talk about Jimmy for this entire postseason run for Miami. But the fact that after he missed, from three, several times, he would cut in and try to get his own rebound. And a couple of times he was successful in getting his own rebound, putting it back up or passing it out. Jimmy doesn't give up on the play. And that's what we see a lot of modern superstars doing. They miss the shot, and they miss the layup, and all of a sudden, they're down on themselves. It take a couple of seconds to get back up the court. Jimmy is just everywhere all at once. If he misses or if that ball is coming off short rebound, you best believe Jimmy's going to be there to get it. So it was a great win. And I think they're going to bring even more energy, knowing that they have to perform well in Philadelphia against that 76ers crowd. Right.
1: And it's great to see that they snapped out of it. You know, like, Game 3 and Game 4, that's something we're going to try, you know, not to remember. And, you know, people were coming into this thinking that the Heat lost all that momentum. You even had what we thought was the Heat life and J.J. Redick talking all that smack, well, not smack, but still saying that, you know, He's got a change of heart now and stuff like I'm sorry, JJ, but you no longer a heat life for you. Rats off a shoot for giving up on Miami like that. But it is what it is at this point. You know, it's at the end of the day. It's heat versus the world. So you either with us or you against us. Right. Um, Lola, what's on your mind, though?
0: So after game three and four, I honestly didn't know really what to expect like I knew we were gonna shoot better because we were back home and we just shoot better at home especially with the crowd um every time we would make a three and they get it going it's just like a rippling effect and we just keep making more shots so I feel like the crowd does help and us being home I mean like it could be the Philly hoop as well because they also don't really shoot well at our home so it could just be like difference in hoops I know Duncan has talked about it in his podcast about, like, different hoops affecting their shots and things like that. But so I knew, like, the shots were going to be a lot better. We were going to shoot better. And that was the bulk of what made us lose those two games. So, And I knew what I was going to expect from, like, I was going to get what I would have expected from Jimmy. Um, He has been playing extremely well the entire playoffs, very consistently. Um, It was just a matter of the others making their shots. But I also was like impressed with like the defensive adjustments that we made, especially with Bam, like letting him guard Embiid a little bit more than before on letting him stick to him. Because um, a lot of what went wrong in game three and four were Embiid was getting anything he wanted despite his injuries. And I know he didn't put up too many points and he's probably not even the reason why we lost. It's probably the shooting. But I feel like we still could have guarded him a lot better. And I think we did that in this game um also the the switch from Lowry to Gabe I think that made a big difference I don't think Kyle was like ready um I think we just kind of inserted him in kind of like panically because Embiid was coming back and we just thought we should also bring Kyle back and it was just too soon and I feel like Gabe has stepped up a lot in these games and it was good to see that he was back in the starting lineup. Um, I also saw that every single player on our team, aside from Caleb the played, had a positive plus minus, which is crazy Um, everyone stepped up in a positive way, whereas like they have like a bunch of negatives in there. Actually, everyone on almost everyone on their team had a negative plus minus so you could see how different the differences between those two teams are as far as Tyler goes, I'm not too worried because. I even saw um, in Jimmy's, um, one of Jimmy's interview questions, they were talking about how Tyler was getting doubled and how Jimmy wasn't. And I feel like maybe that has something to do with Tyler not getting as many good looks. I mean, they were blitzing him constantly, but it also opens it up for everyone else. So while he may not be playing well in this series, I still have hope that he'll play better in the next series if we make it there because I don't think they're going to double him as much as they're doing now um and yes that's all I got for now
1: right you know for me you know this game was just perfect I don't think you could have asked for anything to be better for Miami you know like you had everyone you know basically saying that you know the what was it the Sixers were now going to make that comeback and that this series was going to be over for it and Miami just came in and just let everyone know, like, we're not dead yet. Like, we still got a lot left in the tanks. Like, don't let these two games fool you. So they came in and they did their job. And that's all you could have asked for from this team. And I know a huge thing about it was the fact that we were making our threes. Because, you know, one thing, I don't want to make too much excuses, but, like, you had the fact that Miami had unusual off nights from three in both games, three and four. And then you also have the fact that we saw a fluke performance by um Danny Green, who thought it was the 20, 2013 finals all over again. Like overall, if you're the heat, like you just had to snap out of it and just get back to work. And last night we saw that defense spark again. It was just such a great thing to see. And then you have the fact that someone who we will talk about very soon and Gabe Vincent, like he had a great game, played elite defense on James Harden and was also preventing, preventing him to get whatever shot that he wanted while also outscoring him at the same time while with Gabe having 15 points and James Harden only having 14. Like it was just such a great thing to see from the Heat and hopefully they keep it going, you know because I don't want to like this Joel Embiid too much, but I know there was a couple of people out there talking about how the heat had to be scared because now they're going against the, uh, what was it? A pissed off Joel Embiid. You know, apparently he's about to have 40 points a game the way how these people were talking about him. And I don't want to slander Joel too much. Cause I know he's banged up, you know, with the orbital bone fracture and you know, the messed up thumb. So I won't come after him too much, but You know, for all those fans that was gassing him up that much, just to see him only have 17 points. Like, y'all must feel mad dumb. Like, y'all might as well just stay with them. What what, what is it? This thing, fans taking pictures of the games before they start with the crowd being like half empty because people still trying to show up. Y'all might as well stick with that instead of trying to come up with stupid narratives like all that other stuff. But, you know, that's all I got to say about that. Let's keep the show going, because next up, I think we got to use the segment to talk about how amazing the Heat's defense has been yet again. After struggling in games three and four, it seems that Miami was finally able to figure everything out on the defensive end, limiting Philly to 85 points. With guys like Embiid only having 17 points and Harden only having 14, what pleased you guys the most when looking back at the
3: Heat's defense? You're up first, Christian. No easy buckets. That's basically what the Heat defense have been doing the entirety of the game last night. They held Philly to 36% from the field, 28% from three, and they added four blocks and eight steals on top of that. The Miami Heat defense has gone back to where it's been for a majority of the season and in games one and game two as well. i just like to highlight the fact that a lot of the 76ers starters were super inefficient. Joel Embiid is the only 76ers starter, uh, aside from Danny Green, who doesn't really count. That shot above 50% from the field. James Harden, 5 of 13. Tobias Harris, 5 of 14. Tyrese Maxey, 2 of 10. So when you turn up the heat, look what happens to these players. When these stars need to step up, They're not getting it. I knew James Harden wasn't going to have another game like he had in game four. It's just not who he is anymore. So the fact that Miami was able to turn up the heat and even limit the bench players. Niang was 0 of 6 from the field, 0 points in 16 minutes. Shake Milton, 2 of 8 from the field. The fact is Miami is getting up. They're making it uncomfortable for Philly and they're really forcing them to take the bad shots. Not to mention, James Harden is just a possession killer sometimes. He'll dribble the ball at the top of the key until there's about 10 seconds left in the shot clock and then try to make some BS step back work. And that's never going to happen. Not like how it did in game four. So the fact is, they're able to use James Harden's hubris and Philly's, you know, inefficiencies to address that to their advantage. Aside from that, they had great coverage on Embiid. They were able to double him, make sure that he didn't get the shots that he wanted, hold him to only 17 points. And then the rest of the Philadelphia team couldn't do anything about it. So if Miami plays even half as good defense as they did in this game, it'll easily be a 10-point win in game six, and we'll be going on
0: to the Eastern Conference Finals. Right, and how about you, Lola? Um, I agree with a lot of the points that Christian made. Like, the shots that James Harden was making down a stretch last game, like, I knew that wasn't going to continue. That is definitely not the player that he is anymore. Um, I was kind of like – then do we have the old James Harden back? Like there was no way. Like some of those shots just look ridiculous. Um, and Danny Green. Like I heard, I heard PJ Tucker talk about how him and Bam and Jimmy went to the side and talk about the things that they wanted to change from last game to this game. And one of the things they mentioned was trying to guard Danny Green closely, trying to make sure he's not open for those threes. And it was like a huge difference from how he played in Philly. And here they tell him to only four shots. And if he's if their three-point shooters are only like their main three-point shooters only shooting four shots in a game, like we're gonna win the series because they need those shooters. Um, we've always had problems with guarding shooters in the past, and if we're doing a good job on MB, making sure Bam stays with him and we also guard the shooters, these are games that we can win. And especially Jimmy, he was talking about how. Um, When we're not doing good offensively, we also let it creep up on our defense. And if we start giving away more shots and not going as hard on defense and how they wanted to fix that, they wanted to be a team that can still play great defense and have that intensity and effort when they're not doing good offensively. And that is something that Jimmy said that like the team needs to work on. And I do agree that they do need to work on that. But it's just good to see that when they play great defense, it just translates on the offensive side and we're a way better team. Right. And one thing that I got to
1: bring up, you know, that you mentioned was that defense, especially against the three-point shooters, because, you know, before um they lost this in games three and four, you know, there was a point in which Miami was leading all the teams in the playoffs in, you know, guarding that three-point line. You know, it was really hard for you know, the teams that's been going up against Miami so far to make a three while behind the arts. So for Miami to, you know, get that defensive spark again is huge. And, you know, I hope it will come to fruition come this game six because, you know, let's just close it out. You know, let's not go to a game seven. Because I think this other series with the Bucks and Celtics will probably go to a full seven games. So let them duke it out. Let them be gassed. And let's go and finish this series as early as possible and get whatever rest we need. And Anthony, how about you? Well, you guys, both you and Lola both brought up the point that the Heat tend to have a problem
2: guarding shooters, right? I honestly think that by design, I think you really kind of have to pick your poison. whether you want to key in on the superstars or what you want to guard the shooters? And obviously, they tend to kind of lock down on the top guys on the other team with a lot of doubles and triple teams. And then obviously, because of that, you leave shooters open in the corner. I personally like that. I've always been a part of the belief saying, let the other guys beat you. You know, in the playoffs, you know, a guy like and B will go off. You know, a guy like Trey Young, we saw last year, he can go off. But can the other guys at the end of the roster, the Kevin Herders, the Gallinari's, the Danny Greens, can those guys step up and really carry you to win four games in a series? And I think the answer is no. I think they can win you one, maybe two games, and we saw that already. That's why I'm very confident going into the second round. Or, we're very confident that we're going to win game six and then go into the conference finals versus obviously either Milwaukee or Boston. And I just want to give a lot of good love to Gabe Vincent, man. Kyle Lowry's out. Gabe Vincent's been doing his thing on defense. He's a bulldog. He's a pest out there. He is quite literally the perfect guy that you would love on the heat. And he's been doing this all year. That's why we've had a lot of guys like J.J. Reddick on our side until, so, like Joel said earlier, he was rats off a ship. But that's why we're called Heat versus the World, man. He hopped off a little too early, and you know what? He wants to come back. I don't want him back. This team defense has been phenomenal, and it's going to take him a long way, I
1: think. Right, and I know, Lola, you got something you want to add?
0: Yeah, like, I, I wanted to also agree that, like, I am also in support of the philosophy that we should lock down the main guys and then let the other um players beat us like I agree with that Uh, but what I've noticed with our heat defense especially when we're playing well is that the other players on our team like not the jimmies that in the pjs that want to gamble sometimes and try to go for steals like the other guys on the team they really know how to recover on the weak side and they've been doing such a great job I know like we kind of like was was letting our team down a little bit in the last two games the game three and four but the other games, like, they've been doing a really great job recovering on the weak side and going back to the shooters. Um, they've been doing such a great job. Like, players like Gabe Vincent, Strews, like, they have been doing such a good job covering for guys like Jimmy and PJ PJ that likes to gamble and they go for those deals. And I just like the team effort. I feel like communication is so good and that, like, we're able to double and blitz and do all of those things and still recover on our shooters. Like, it's such a great defense. Like, it's really nice to see, and it's beautiful. And I just wanted to highlight that because I feel like we've been playing such great defense the whole entire playoffs, and they deserve praise for that.
1: Right, I agree. They do deserve praise for it because when you look at national media, you know, they always talk about the Bucks defense, you know, the Celtics' defense. And I mean, okay, I get it. You know, you have a guy... In, in the Bucks, who's a two-time defensive player of the year in Giannis, and then this year's defensive player of the year on the Celtics in Marcus Smart. But, you know, you got to give the Heat their flowers as well, because you got Jimmy, who's been a great defender since day one. Same thing with Bam, and you got the same thing with PJ and all these other dogs that we got on this team, man. For some reason, a lot of people like to undermine that. And it's so weird to think about because, like I said, we always hear, you know, all these people raving about, oh, the Celtics defense, Bucks. Like, come on now. Like, let's not act like the he aren't capable of locking people up, too. I mean, you would have thought it would have been fully noticed after what we did to Trey Young, but it hasn't been. And I don't know. And now you're looking at the Sixers series. I mean, people are slandering James Harden, but... You know, I don't think people are really focusing on the fact that it's the Heat's elite defense that are locking him up, but simply him choking. And I mean, don't get me wrong, choking on his end is also a factor in all this, but you got to give, you know, a lot, pay the dividends to those who are playing those amazing defense, you know, running those good plays on guys like Harden and all of them. But. You know, I I know we've already established in the past that it is what it is regarding the national media, not giving the heat the praise they deserve. But it sounds like this where, like, you hate it because it's like, are y'all just going to give praise to any team not named the heat at this point? But, you know, I I don't want to take too much time talking about that. Anyways, moving on, let's talk about one specific player that deserves praise, someone that we've already mentioned a handful of times in today's episode, and that's none other than Gabe Vincent, who stepped up last night yet again for the Heat. Not only did he end up outscoring James Harden for Game 5, he played outstanding defense as well, which was what we saw during the first round when he put the clamps on Trey Young, and considering this is his first time this year getting minutes in the playoffs his whole career like what do you guys make of Gabe's game right now uh give us your thoughts Lola
0: I've been extremely impressed I mean there was a time where we all were you know trashing Gabe on the timeline like a year or two ago and then we wanted him gone and everything like Like, the amount of improvement he's made, I don't know, like, if I think a lot goes credit to, like, him playing in the Olympics and things like that. Like, he has developed so much. Not just, like, I always knew he had that defensive intensity and tenacity and just, like, pesky, and I always knew he had that. But, like, his offense, offensively, he has improved so much. Like, just the way that he could get to the paint, as well as shoot those threes, like, it has been such an improvement and it's exactly what we need from our point guard. Um, and you have to, you have to understand the value that he holds, especially since we didn't expect Kyle to not be available in the playoffs, but here we are. And for him to just step up like that, like we would not be where we are without someone that could have replaced what Kyle was supposed to give us. And he did just that. So like a lot has to be given to him credit wise um, on, this run, considering like where we would have been if we didn't have somebody to replace Kyle. So yeah, like it has been amazing.
1: Right, Christian,
3: how about you? I have the only stat you will need to hear regarding Gabe Vincent and these playoffs. The Miami Heat are currently now 5 and 0 when Gabe Vincent is in the starting lineup for them in the 2021-2022 postseason. The effect that he has when he plays in that starting lineup. If you look at his stats, his stats don't pop off the page to you. This postseason he's averaging 7.6 points per game, 38 from the field, which is not great, 27.9 from 3, also not great. And his plus minus is 5.3. So he's having that positive net effect, but you know his shooting's not great. His assists are all right, they're 3.2 you know, for someone who's playing 23.5 minutes this postseason. But the fact of the matter is, gabe vincent when he's been put in that starting role he's been able to lift the miami heat to wins and that's the most important thing because it doesn't matter how well you play doesn't matter how many points you score how many assists you have if you're contributing to your team and they're winning that's all you can ask for so the fact that gabe has helped miami to go five and zero when he's in the starting lineup just says a lot about him because again if you look it's intangibles he doesn't have the greatest stats he's an excellent defensive player for a guard but Aside from that, you know, you think of Gabe Vincent, you think, okay, well, there's a bunch of other guards that could fit what he does, you know, but he's doing it in a starting role and he's helping contribute to the Miami Heat's winning uh, tactics. So I'm really happy to see him evolve as a player in a Miami Heat uniform. And he's just been a great contributor this postseason. So it's been excellent to watch him play. And hopefully if he has that starting role in game six, that he can go six and zero with him in the starting lineup.
1: Right. And you know, one thing that I wanted to bring up is that you know, I know there was some heat fans before that was so concerned about you know, Gabe being in the playoffs as that backup point guard because, you know, like I said earlier, like this is a guy who, you know, doesn't really have any playoff experience whatsoever. So, for him to be placed in such an important role, you know, that concerned a lot of people. Like I remember when um, the rumors were coming out that Goran was going to be bought out by whatever team he was on. Yeah. I think San Antonio, when the rumor came out that he was going to be bought out, I know there was some Heat fans saying that we could use him as a backup point guard. When the truth is, is that Miami would probably sign him just to sit on the bench and that would be it. But like, some people felt that we'd be better off, you know, having a guy like Goran being the backup point guard. And then after, you know, having someone like him instead of someone like Gabe. So, you know, for Gabe to step up and show people, like, nah, I'm capable of being that guy, you know. You know, being that guy that can step up, you know, coming off the bench after Kyle, you know, and then in a situation like this where Kyle can't play because of his injury and now here he is, like you said, Christian, being 5-0 right now as this team starter, like that just shows how great our team is because we're so deep. And, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what kind of disadvantages our players have, whether if, you know, our guys don't have too much experience or if our guys may might feel a little rusty being on the bench for so long. Like, you know, look at Duncan, you know, his name was called this past game and he went out and did his thing. Now, he didn't have a record night, but still, you know, the, he ended up winning. And, you know, he still got like, I think he only had a three, but still, you know, everyone was ready for it. You know, everyone was ready for their number to be called so that they can go out and do their thing. And Gabe is one of those people. And I can't wait to see what else he does this playoff run because he's continuing to prove people wrong. And, you know, this is a guy who we didn't need to think for. This isn't a guy that we needed a draft pick. You know, we just simply got this guy off the street and here he is doing his thing. So, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about. And I know you got something you want to add, Anthony.
2: Yeah, Joel, I have to admit, I was one of those people. I was super excited when Goran got traded to the Spurs. And then when he bought out, I was super excited. I wanted him back on the roster. I was one of those guys. I wanted him to take Gabe minutes. I wanted to do all of that. But going back and we see how, how the season ended, I could not have been more wrong on that. I honestly couldn't have been. We saw at times last year, and even in the bubble, how much of a defensive liability Goran Dragic is. He obviously is a little older in his age, but even when he was in his prime, he's not a guy who's super strong, super fast, but doesn't necessarily transfer over to the defensive end. And the impact that Gabe Vincent has defensively in comparison to Goran Dragic, just, it, it doesn't even compare. And I honestly believe Goran Dragic, he was a little bit of a reason why the Nets got swept in the first round because even in that first game versus Boston, they had a closing lineup of de- uh, a closing lineup on defense of Kyrie and Goron. That backcourt could not guard anybody in Game One. Jason Tatum got the layup at the buzzer because there's just no interior presence. They were blowing past guys, and I I really when I was watching that series, I really said to myself, "Wow, I don't miss having that defensive liability out there on the court, especially when you're already going to have Tyler late game in situations too." So. Couldn't have been more wrong on that. I didn't like Gabe Vincent last year, but super happy with what he brought this year. And he's on like a minimum deal for next year also. So how awesome is that? We get to add to him. So it's a really great piece.
1: Right. So overall, shout outs to Gabe. And while, while we can keep talking about him, it's time to move on to the next topic. And that's none other than the Heat Muse stat of the game. Before we get into it, make sure to follow Heat Muse on Twitter for all Miami Heat stats. His handle is Heat, M-U-S-E. Anyways, Max Bruce had himself a game, having 19 points, 10 rebounds, four three-pointers, and a plus 30. He leads this playoffs in plus-minus with a plus 119. And with all that being said, what do you guys make of these stats for Struce? Give us your thoughts, Anthony. Well, I am so glad you asked, Joel. Uh,
2: for those of you that are, are fans of my YouTube channel, at Anthony DiNardo, you you know we got a running bit we like to do called the Struce Daddy Alerts. Every time Max Strews goes off, we, pl- we blow the sirens, we blow the alarms, the bells, the whistles, and we give a lot of love to Max Truce because I absolutely love what he's brought to the Heat this year. And in addition to those great stats from game five that you just mentioned, Max Truce leads the league in the or leads the postseason in plus minus, which is just awesome. And I remember in the first series, it was actually P.J. Tucker. So now it's Max Truce. So just to have two Heat guys leading in such an important and vital stat is really great to see especially when a lot of people still look at Max Shrews as just an offensive threat. But we've we've talked about several times his defensive progression that he's had throughout the season. And that's a huge reason why he's so big on the plus minus. And it was also pretty funny yesterday. We saw Duncan get off the bench, finally. And then as soon as he got off the bench, Max Shrews hit a three and then Spoke kind of waved him back towards the bench. So I felt a little bad for Duncan because of that. But obviously, Duncan ended up getting a little bit of run. Most of it was in garbage time, but I, I don't see any way that you can play Duncan over Max Strus, even though a lot of people were calling for it. Max Struess just has the confidence that not a lot of shooters have, especially not Duncan Robinson. And when a guy has that kind of confidence, you always trust that they're going to find a way out of a
1: slump. Right. And, you know, one thing I just want to quickly bring up with what you said, you know, about Heat fans wanting Duncan to start over you And I guess that's what you call the overreactions, because, you know, when you have the Heat losing two straight games, especially in the playoffs, people are going to panic like crazy and that's going to you know, cause people to say like, oh, we need to change. You know, we need this. We need that because, you know, when Duncan was struggling earlier in the season, you know, you had a lot of people that was calling for, you know, Strews to start over him. So the fact that Now that he had that slight struggle losing games three and four, and now we're seeing people wanting Struce to be benched and Duncan starting again. Like, it just shows how crazy people's opinions can change, like, once the slightest of bad things happens. But... You know, last night, you know, Struess went and he showed what he's capable of doing. You know, he can do things on both ends of the floor. And while I got a lot of respect for Duncan, you know, a guy like Max, you know, he's just proven so much value, especially because what's his record? I think the Heat are like, what, 20 and 7 or something like that when he starts now. Like it just goes to show like how great Miami is at developing these guys, because this is another undrafted player we have. This is another guy that's only going to be making like three and a half million dollars next season for us along with Dave Vincent. So it's just another steal for the heat. And you just can't help but feel so grateful that we got a front office that knows how to get these diamonds in the rough. And let's see, uh, Christian, what about you?
3: I like the plus-minus stat because I feel like it tells the story that the other stats don't. Points tell you how much a player is scoring, but a player, as we know, could have 30, 40 points and still have a negative plus-minus, right? There are rebounds, there are assists, but the plus-minus gives you the picture of how the team is doing while that player is on the floor. So the fact that the Miami Heat outscored Philadelphia by 36 last game while Struess was on the floor – is sensational and he's leading the postseason in plus minus, which means that there's no one who has just like a better net effect on the floor. So when you think about what Struess is doing, he's efficient from the field. He's letting the game come to him. And Miami's finding him for his open shots on the defensive end. He's able to lock down, make a couple shots more difficult for the opposition. And all of a sudden, you know, he's racking up that plus minus. And it's just a telltale sign of how great a player can be. If, Your plus minus is 36 and you only have 19 points. Say he only had five points. The fact that the Heat are doing that well with him on the floor shows that he's making a great contribution to them, developing a lead, increasing the lead, and maintaining the lead. And I'm just looking back now. Historically, the greatest plus minuses in a single postseason run. At the top, we have Stephen Curry, 2016-17, with a plus minus of 245. A lot of these players that are on this list happen to go on to win the NBA Finals, obviously. You have players like Kobe Bryant with a plus 213 in 2000, 2001, LeBron 2015, 16 with a plus 209. I'm not going to go too much more down the list because we realize that these are players who are all-time greats. They've won finals. They've won finals MVPs. They're excellent. I'm not saying Struess is anywhere in the range of those players, talent-wise or legacy-wise at this point, maybe ever. But the fact is, is that if Struess is a plus 119 right now, say that goes into like a plus 200 which is entirely possible if the heat make it to the finals if he goes to a plus 200 that would be the seventh or let's see seventh yeah the eighth best nope yeah seventh best seventh best plus minus in a single nba postseason that's just incredible what he's doing so far through these games that he's played so i'm happy for him and i love to see the effect that he has on the floor and as you said before joel it's the value the value that Struess is providing as a player that went undrafted, again, making $3.5 million next season, and you have this type of utility out of him. So again, it's not all about, all about the numbers. It's not about the points, not about the rebounds. And I don't like looking to advanced metrics and advanced stats, because that's how frauds like Nikola Jokic end up winning the MVP two years in a row. The MVP award is just a participation trophy. You played the most games, you had the most decent stats. All right, let's give it to you. It's numbers like the plus minus that really show you where a player stands and how they truly affect the game when they're out on that floor. So it's excellent, and I hope he keeps it up.
1: I agree. And one thing I want to say is that if Jimmy Butler doesn't win finals MVP, you know, if this Heat
3: team does win the championship,
1: I'm all for Max Bruce winning it too. Because like you said, Kristen, we've seen some guys on that list you brought up win the finals MVP. So you know, I'm just saying I, I would like a surprise maybe if Jimmy couldn't win it. You know, so Max Struz for finals MVP. We'll make that the campaign if Jimmy for some reason can't win it, if the Heat win the choke. And then Lola, what's on your mind? Joe, Yo, first of all,
0: I would be a thousand percent against anyone but Jimmy winning that. <laughs> I would literally protest like, no, not Struz. But yeah, Um, it's crazy because. We had our sniper, we had our best three-point shooter on our team, and he's getting no minutes. And it's all because Strews can not only shoot just as well as Duncan, if not more, but he also can play defense, and we didn't have that in Duncan. We couldn't play Duncan and Hero at the same time because they were defensive liabilities, and that was one of the biggest issues we had last season, where it was like either you attack Hero or you attack Duncan. it was just not good. And shoes um might not be the best individual defensive player, but he is a good defense uh team defense player and he's good at recovering. He's good at helping. And honestly, I never expected him to shoot the three as well as he do. Um, but I'm glad. And he also could attack the rim as well. So he has more um different, you know, different things he could do. Um which makes him more unpredictable than Duncan. Duncan is pretty predictable. Um, And yeah, like I, when we heard that, like, oh, Duncan hasn't been playing and they should be trying Duncan. And like, we were all excited to see Duncan play. And then Max Juice comes out and just annihilates any shot of Duncan playing. It's just, it was just crazy. And I feel like we kind of should play Duncan just to, just to put that kind of reminder in Juice, like, You know, like, your spot isn't solid. Like, you got to continue to play the way you've been playing. you got to continue to shoot the way you've been shooting for us to have a chance. And if you're not, then we always have a backup on the bench ready to play.
1: Right, I agree. You know, for Miami, it's just, like I said, I don't want to keep talking about the development system because I feel like it's something that I've been talking about in multiple episodes now. But come on, like... You look at these guys Miami is able to find, you know, because we've already talked about two undrafted players now in a specific segment in Gabe Vincent and Max Drew. So, you know, overall, I mean, like I said, if the Heat do end up winning the championship, like it's just going to be such an amazing story because to have nine undrafted players on the squad and be able to accomplish such a feat like that, you know, one thing you just got to do is trust the culture, You know, since Philly fans want to do the trust the process thing and still can't even make it to the conference finals, you might as well trust the culture at this point. Because at least we have made it to the finals while trusting it. Anyways, I want to keep talking about that because we've talked so much this whole episode looking back at game five. So let's go right into this upcoming game for the Heat as we talk about game six. Uh, With Miami having the chance to close the series in Philly, what's everyone's expectations for this upcoming game? Uh, Let's see. Start us off, Christian.
3: It's going to be a little bit more of a difficult game because I think home court advantage takes place a little bit more in this series than in the other series we've seen this playoffs just around the league. I think it comes down to the Philadelphia fans. Uh, they're a very nasty bunch. I think that they just kind of get not in the heads of Miami players, but they definitely make it a lot more difficult to hit shots. I don't know how else we could explain that Miami went from the best three point shooting team in the regular season to shooting 23% and 20% in games three and four in Philadelphia. So I'm hoping that Miami takes the energy that they had from game five and brings it back for game six. I don't anticipate big games from anyone on the Philly side of things. Um, if Harris and Maxi step up, you know, that could cause some problems. But I think we're going to see a pretty balanced effort between Jimmy and Tyler and Struess, And, you know, our role players are going to step up, too. This series should end in six. It should end in Philadelphia. And those fans are just going to be crying the whole way home because Miami's got this in the bag. Right. And you, Lola?
0: So I definitely don't want to see this go to seven games. I wanted to end the next game because I feel like when you go to game seven, it really becomes unpredictable and anyone can win. And we really don't want to be in that position. Um, I don't want to be one of those fans that like talk about the refs and things like that. But if they don't allow us to play our physical defense like the way they let us play last game, if they if they call every nitty little touches like they did in game three and four, it's going to be really hard for us to win because I don't know how we're going to shoot considering we haven't shot well in Philly. And if we can't even play the physical defense that has been working for us, and if they call every little thing we do on Embiid, um, I don't know how it's going to go. So I'm really hoping like, we don't have the same refs we had in game four and that shoes does continue to shoot the way he did last game and take that confidence with him. Um, I already know Jimmy is going to bring it. I just need BAM to play defense. I really am not expecting him to score 25 to 30. I never expect that from BAM. I just want him to do his um, job of guarding and be. That's all I want from him. I want the shooters to shoot. I want Jimmy to play how he's been playing I want Gabe to defend and attack the ball the way he's been doing. And yeah, as long as the refs let us play our defense the way we played last game, I think we have a really good shot of winning and just going on to the next series as we should, because we don't know how the Bucks in the Celtics series are going to go. And we really do need the rest and any advantage we can take from that um, going into it. We don't want to be banked up just as much as they are. Um, because the next series is definitely going to be 10 times harder than this will ever be. So the more prepared we can be going into the next series, the better off we're going to be overall. So I really hope we do take the next game.
1: Mm-hmm. And how about you, Anthony? Joel, I got a question for you, man. You can hear me.
3: Man, I hear you.
1: You know who Doc Rivers is. Are you familiar with him? Um, You know, the the name rings a bell. Can you tell me more so- about him? So so go ahead and tell me, what do you think he's cooking up, Joel? What do you think Doc Rivers is cooking up? Um, Let's see. Maybe some macaroni and cheese, perhaps. Um... The
2: answer is nothing, Joel. Nothing. Doc Rivers. Thank you, Lola. Doc <laughs> Rivers is cooking up absolutely nothing. And you know what, Joel? I said this last episode. I said it on Twitter, and I'm going to say it again. There's only one Joel in this series that I'm worried about, and he is the best host of the best Miami Heat podcast on the internet. So when Embiid has another terrible performance in the next game, the national media will be searching far and wide for more excuses, stuttering over their own words. And you know what? i bet bet those sound something a lot like this.
1: Ever had dreams that that you um, you had you you
2: would <laughs> okay. you hear that Grand Hill? You hear that, Stephen A. Smith, JJ Reddit. The Miami Heat will dominate the Philadelphia 76ers in game six. So you better get your excuses ready now. Cause I don't want you stuttering when we win by 36 points on Thursday. That's it. Man, that's it. Roll the music, Joel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, hey, I'm just saying, like, I don't need these like Sixers fans to be talking when they have it once since 1983. Like preach just to, like, we weren't even born back then. Like i feel so bad like i like i feel so bad for them like i do and and they they
1: were once like once they out here posting pictures of the crowd like (laughs) y'all is is it that bad for y'all that you guys start posting pictures of the seats just to provide an argument at this point like keep saying what you gotta say lola
0: the nerve I'm just saying like the nerve of you to even talk about any team when y'all haven't done in forever A- like forever it just congratulations
2: y'all congratulations y'all we scored now. as many points as Ben Simmons did for Philly this year
1: congratulations y'all
0: <laughs> Bro, they got the biggest now for like accomplishing the least that's all I
1: gotta say right. And you know what? That's why this is going to be so satisfying if we could get the job done. Because y'all was hating on us when we got Jimmy. Y'all was hating on us because we was whooping y'all in this series. And now y'all trying so hard to find the newest excuse you can find. Because y'all still getting whooped, even with them bead coming back. Y'all really made that man come back when he's literally in no condition of play. When he's literally got an orbital fracture, which is something that can mess up his vision for a long time coming. He's risking that for y'all and y'all are letting that man down because we already knew the dude wasn't gonna play exactly the way I was played the season, having that MVP year. And instead of helping him out, providing him what he needs to win, y'all are just letting that dude down. Like, okay, y'all won game three and game four. But now when it's time for the lights to shine at its brightest, y'all can't help that dude out. I mean he literally had more points than um James Harden. And like you out here and like I said, I want to keep roasting James Harden because I already did this in the last episode we did, but you out here getting outplayed by Gabe Vincent. Like, come on now. Like, don't you feel any shame, especially for all you Harden stands out there that was out here talking about what is it, that, D, that he was better than D-Wade? Like, y'all need to stop at this point. The argument is looking mad sad, and y'all looking more pathetic at this point. So, honestly, just end this se- let's end this series, you know, mercifully, and let's just move on. You know, let's see what happens in that Celtics and Bucks series, and, you know, let's just trust the culture and not the process. Y'all already know the vibes at this point. Anyways, oh, we got Exactly. So anyways, we talked so much on today's episode. Um, Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at podcasts while checking out our website at hvtwpodcast.wordpress.com. That way you still have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content, even when we're not recording a new episode. Also, we hope you guys love today's episode because we'll be recording a new pod after every playoff victory for the Heat, meaning that if God is willing, we'll have at least nine more episodes to record before we officially wrap up season two of Heat vs. the World. Anyways, shout outs to Lola, Anthony, and Christian for in for today's episode. And thank you all for tuning in to today's pod of the Heat vs. the World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Hit my music. Be because we
0: out thank you for listening and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the heat versus the world podcast